It is not that simple. It's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border. We were even able to see, as of last night, a lot of migrants just crossing. And migrants I spoke to this morning saying they haven't had any interaction with U.S. immigration authorities. They just walked right in. Democrats were shuddering privately just right. a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave. But they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this... Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety Program. High Energy Thursday we've got for you. And fellas, I hope everybody's ready for Christmas. Ready, willing, and able... Ready for it. Uh, like I said on our previous episode, I know a lot of folks have already checked out. You know, if, if you talk to your coworkers, they're not all the way there. The Ruthless Variety Program never takes a day off. No. And here we are, folks. No, never taking a day. We're just here. We're like the, the steady wall. Uh, <laughs> Duncan, you're, you're traveling. Traveling. Also, did a little mini Christmas before Christmas. Yeah. Before my travel. How'd that go? Went great. Kids, Went great. kids loved it. Loved it. Uh, oh, they already opened the presents? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Joey got the Power Wheels, the Jurassic Park yeah, but Power the pow- Wheel. Power Wheels does, does not come assembled. <clears throat> no, it does not. And it took Do you me, know how much money I would pay to just watch you with a live cam? I was, sweat- I was sweating. Dude, I was sweating. Oh, no, Putting together our Power Wheels audience. can't be fun. I wish... And it, and it, it, it's, it sounds like a lot of work. Can you imagine? I should have I should have been hooked up to a blood pressure monitor the whole time. Did you ever get... Did you ever, like, slam anything? Um, I didn't, I didn't slam a lot of profanity. I didn't slam anything. <laughs> I didn't slam anything. But when I was putting together like the back, back wheel, like axle yeah. where you had to screw in on both sides yeah. and, and I've got two like uh wrench tools yeah. holding like nuts on both sides of the Well, you like holding wheels. nuts on both yeah. sides. That's yeah. what you do. <laughs> and uh, I'm like twisting both, both of them there. Plus, plus, the thing is, I'm just giving you layups now. But, 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 I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm sweating, I'm swearing. It was horrible, but it was all worth it. Joey had a blast, loved it. Yeah, well, we couldn't bring all the. We, we're going to Texas, so, yeah. so, so, so today's Thursday. On, on Friday, we we were going to Texas. We couldn't bring all this stuff there, so we did a little mini Christmas so we could open some presents here. I get we it. Yeah. So makes it was, sense. It was worth it, although very stressful for the old man. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have uh, two stressful experiences because then you're gonna go. Uh, have like a family Christmas, which you know it is what it is. It right? is what it is, and I think you'll have a blast in Texas. And, no, I, I think so too. If yeah. I can beat out the bomb cyclone, that's that apparently thing, is bearing like, down on the, DC. The, the like you know specter in the background of everyone's plans of of whether you're like driving, whether you're flying, you know, even like the, from from these numbers that I'm seeing, even if you're going a block away to visit your folks. It's going to be crazy. The weather is going to be like freezing cold, especially the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, was it? I think Wyoming's going to be like, uh, they said negative 30. Like, yeah. holy sh. I mean, that's like surface of the moon type stuff Th- that we're insane. dealing with. Insane. You can't, you can't be expected to travel and things like that. How many, how many dads do you think out there are like, well, I'm looking at the weather and uh, boy, I don't know if we're going to make it. <laughs> I don't know. If and we're gonna and make the wife's it. like, yeah. we're going to make it. <laughs> You're going to spend Christmas with my folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally the way it's going down right now, right? Well, I don't know. There's She's a lot like, of snow. You know, the bomb cyclone, this sounds pretty terrible. She's like, no. 
Have you ever been in a bomb cyclone? <laughs> that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, 100% we're traveling in the bomb cyclone. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Michael's flying right into it. I yeah. Mean, like, I mean, these numbers, especially across the Midwest, are just crazy cold. Yeah. Everybody out there, like, you know, stay bundled up, especially if you're planning to travel. This isn't like, you know, just a coat. This is... Like Michael, what, do you, what, can I, what can I expect your demeanor to be if you spend the next, like, 18 hours in an airport? In Topeka uh, or Lake Charles, I, I, think I, I think I'm going to start Branson. I think I'm going to start chewing some baby aspirin just to manage the the blood pressure. I think that's wise. I had to move my flight up to 5 a.m. departure with children. Oh, yeah. oh my so, god! So no, children, 5, 5 a.m. So it means you need to be at the airport at four. Well, he, oh, no, no, no. he rolls in on two wheels like 15 minutes. No, dude, you gotta be there like three. You got check-in okay. luggage? Are you serious? And check in luggage. Yeah, you're there are three. Okay, so, you, so you're, yeah, you're leaving. You're the leaving house the house at like two thirty. Don't forget 15. the seventeen part stroller he's got going on. The double double decker stroller. Yeah, and oh, and man. the and the travel seat for Joey to see the old timey so, flying device. Yeah, I mean you've got all that coming. I got it right? all. Yeah, maybe, no. you should, maybe you should just leave for the airport after the show. <laughs> I might. <laughs> I might. Just go camp out at old 35X. And it's just, I, just, I, I need baby aspirin and Xanax. Oh, Jesus. I mean, God bless you, pal. Yeah. You're, you're a real warrior. A 5 a.m. flight is just A real crazy. warrior. Well, I'm thankfully hosting Christmas this year, so I, I'm not Good dealing with you. any of that. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Traveling well, congrats is Congrats on that tough. one. Are you going? Are you traveling? Tomorrow? I am. I am. So, uh, you know. Uh, Short drive? Well, in theory. Do you, do you Uber? Well, in theory, <laughs> in theory, you know, going back to North Carolina is supposed to be just like a flight. But I mean, all these warnings, like the airlines, are like, hey, listen, we, we we may have adjustments. You know, you have to think about what you're going to do. And it's like, holy, holy moly! Like, what the hell is going on here? That like airlines are supposed to be these like billion dollar enterprises are like, hey, you might be on your own. Yeah, like, thank you for your who money. do you think is worse off in a multi? Like, we're talking like a ten hour delay in an airport. Duncan with his kids and the seventeen part stroller or smug? No question, uh, me. smug. Me without a doubt. Me no without question. a doubt. Like because I, I'm a survivor. At the end of the day, I am a survivor. Michael I'm a knows. prepper. I I'm going to think out every eventuality to be successful. I may hate it in every every way possible, but I will survive. But you're going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm more concerned about smug. So so I had a delay when I was trying to go fly fishing. I was stuck in ATL's airport. And I have a blood feud with Delta for the rest of my life <laughs> as a result of that. Like, One delay. I, I wish doom upon Delta. They're horrible One people. One delay. Top to bottom. Giant like, company. The amount of time I spent in, in ATL's airport. When I, I just want the whole point is I was supposed to relax and fish. Well, Smug is a delicate it's, flower. Do you remember the last time he was in Charlotte's airport and he had some bad chorizo or whatever? No, oh, yeah, out of commission three weeks. Yeah, right, yeah. bro. It was turkey and water. <laughs> and if you're going through like the Charlotte airport and you see that like barbecue joint, you know, you know, if you know been, what's happening, if you've been it's, to it's the, the Charlotte the, airport, you know exactly where this is. You know where all of the rocking, the, the rocking chairs, the white yeah. rocking chairs are. They're in, the, they're in the atrium. I know exactly where Smug's talking about. Yes, it's where that E to C I think it's E to C terminals not yeah. far from the smoking that's area right. from what I remember yeah yeah be careful yeah, yeah. don't 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 if, if you're in an airport do not do not get food if it's turkey sitting in water like yes you may have to board your flight in 40 minutes until you're just trying to the eat best food is that you and, and need an experience to actually come to that conclusion you're like you see that turkey in water it's kind of what I'm feeling right now <laughs> 
and, and here's the here's the thing is, is is I was like, hey, you know, this can be an interesting like day. I was like, let's mix it up. It's a night flight. Let's have Bloody Marys, you know. And so when you have food poisoning, you don't want Bloody Marys. <laughs> oh yeah, the combo, the combo, the combo is a real problem. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, good luck to all of you. Yeah, on your on your holiday travel. Hopefully. Yeah. Far better than what I've had. Yeah, I'd like to hear some stories in the uh, in the five stars. If we can get uh, everybody's best stuff, that would be great. We'll, we'll read some. Let's go to the five stars now. Uh, we always start with the voice on these things. So, uh, Smash, what do you got? Okay, this is from Deb Oma 10 uh, titled, I Laughed So Hard I Cried. Deb Oma 10 writes... Like so many others, I heard you first on Megan Kelly's podcast. You guys laughed so much, I finally had to turn on the show. Now, I rarely miss an episode. So the story of the Christmas brooch was one that was so sad, but hilarious. Does anybody else feel like we're a little bit hooked on phonics right now? Yeah. <laughs> it says, like, do you need us to improve the font number? I was laughing so hard, I was crying. But hearing of Ashbrook's wife tearing up, I felt bad. I was so bad. I was laughing. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I blame you guys. But please keep it up. Your humor keeps me coming back every Tuesday and Thursday mornings. I'm sure the gifts have gotten better, and they have. But what happened to the brooch? Yeah, well, know. now we have a brooch. We do. Thanks to Mary Catherine Hamm. That's and right. we will be awarding it uh, likewise. No, no, uh, listen, great note mm-hmm. from Deb Oma yeah, thank you 10. so much, Deb Oma 10. Really appreciate that. So sorry about the recitation. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the holiday cheer is struck early here on the roof. A lot of Christmas. We've had a lot of Christmas spirits. <laughs> That's a good way to play it. Uh, Duncan, you want to? Sure. This is from Meg Galley. Meg writes, After long days, sipping delicious single barrel and literally trying to keep from spitting it through my nose at the HelloFresh bit. <laughs> yeah, that was Thank good you. Bit. Thank you for bringing levity to rough times. Oh, I love That's that. We do. Thank you. That's, that is what we try to do. Thanks, Meg Galley. <laughs> that was a relaxing laugh indeed. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, we're going to go off the rail. Uh, Smug, what do you got for three? So I have Lori Schmitz, who says, Welcome, December. I have a twin sister in Dallas. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I introduced her to the program shortly after I found it. Nearly two years later, it connects us at least twice a week. Man, that's Imagine, awesome. like, we I mean, we've seen, you know, the data. Like, it's amazing to see how many listeners we have in the belly of the beast in like San Francisco, yeah. like all these far left places. It's wonderful. They uh, like the show. It's, 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 it's so good to see that. Uh, depending on whose day frees up earlier, she'll either text me or I will text her with comments or recommendations prior listening to the program. We even have matching Ruthless hoodies. Nice. Let's go. Uh, November was rough, but December, y'all had brought the joy back. I don't think I've laughed this hard in a month. But today's program, especially King of the Hill, banger. Thank you for keeping us informed, hopeful, and supremely entertained. XO, the Johnson Twins, now Jameson and Schmitz, respectively. Wow. Yeah, the Johnson Twins. Thank you so much. They, I bet the Johnson Twins were great to hang out with back I, I, in the day. I, I mean, like, San Francisco, Dallas, like, well, it's pretty much coast to coast that, that we have loyal listeners of the program, and we appreciate every single one of you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, all right, let's just talk about, let's just talk some shit here for a while. 
I know that there's just a whole bunch of anxiety right now. And everybody's pissed off about the elections and everything else. We like to have fun, though. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's one thing that we ought to cover just because everybody's talking about it online and you ought to have some context for it. 100%. And it's this whole omnibus situation, right? Where what happens at the end of every year when a Congress fails to do its job is that it has to figure out how to fund the government, right? And you can do it in one of two ways. You can pass what they call a CR, which basically has the previous government's funding into the next year, or you can kind of reshape that and pass 12 uh, you know, appropriations bills throughout the course of the year, try to do it normally, which never freaking happens, particularly under democratic government. So Democrats didn't do their job. And we end up in December, as we often do, in a lame duck session where they're trying to figure out how to fund the government in the upcoming year. Now, there's a, an argument that we've been dealing with, and, and this is something that I've dealt with, I mean, basically since my beginning of, of being in politics, which is what is the obligation to a party that has improved its standing, right? In this case, House Republicans. Mm-hmm that it went from a a small minority to a small majority. And the thought process is is you improve your leverage if you control one house versus, you know, what the current standing is, which you don't have either house. Mm -hmm. And so the thought is you just try to punt these things into the new year where you have more votes. I I don't see it as a punt, but like I see it as, well, that's literally what it is. The work we put in, was was to win a majority we've got it in the house and it's time to t- time to use that leverage sure i understand that argument and i think everybody understands that argument so in practice here's the problem um and th- i'm just i'm just telling you what the thought process is here mm-hmm. i have my own opinions which i'll hold in abeyance for the time being but um in 2010 we had a very similar situation right where democrats had these huge majorities in the house and the senate in the lame duck, of course, because Democrat government governance, you're not able to do anything rationally. They have all the stack up of government funding at the end of the year, and they have to figure out what to do with it. And the argument was exactly the same at the time, right? Don't do anything. Punt into the new year. Like, just make sure that your House majority has the leverage to try to change things, right? And what's important to remember about this is it's different than what we're talking about with like Inflation Reduction Act or like the Bozo bill that they passed on, um, you know, the COVID Relief Act or whatever the hell that is. American Rescue Plan. American Rescue Plan. All, all the, the, the multi-trillion dollars of spending that we're talking about under de- democratic governance is not an omni. An omni is at its baseline funding the basic things of government, like your social security checks, you know, roads, bridges, shit like that, your national defense, things like that. And the baseline for that is somewhere between like one, three and one, four baseline. One, four trillion. Yeah. I mean, that's what it costs to fund your government, right? So when you think about the numbers you're talking about here, you're talking about a baseline of one, four, like for example, Trump Omni, which in 2020 didn't include the CARES Act, mm-hmm. which was like a $2 trillion bill, was 1.4 something, right? Just an omni. And that was under the Trump, under Republican governance. <clears throat> um, so 
they come together and they're trying to figure this out. And what they came up with was a $1.7 trillion, which is like a three, you know, $300 billion. It's not small change by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <clears throat> but that's, that's kind of what they negotiated out in the Senate. So the argument is, why would you even address that when you can just punt it into a new Congress and have House Republicans play a meaningful role? I think it's a powerful argument. No question about it. They won the election and they have presumably a better equipped majority to deal with these things and negotiate it out. The problem is, is if you look back in 2010 at the way that we handled it, we punted into that next year and House Republicans promptly shut down the government like multiple times, right? And each and every time Pelosi would give them like a, I don't know, five, six week extension where they'd have a CR and they would just keep the government open and they would renegotiate. And each time she took a little bigger bite at the apple, right? It was the same dynamic where you had President Obama in office and a Senate majority held by Democrats and a House majority held by Republicans. And the problem is you could never get all House Republicans on board to pass what their priority was because they had... We can't get all House Republicans on board to make... Kevin McCarthy speaker. Well, you sort of cut to the chase. That's I, I, You cut to the chase. Yeah. I mean, what, what I'm getting at is if you have confidence that you're able to pass a conservative view of what the funding of this government, the basic funding of this government ought to be, then that's one thing. But if you can't figure out how to actually make the Speaker of the House the Speaker of the House because you, you have holdouts or whatever... It gives everybody a huge amount of hesitation about kicking all of those questions into the next year. So here, here's my thing. So I think that's like 20 steps way ahead of where we need to be. Weird, on weird, weird that's that like, you'd think ahead of time. Well, I mean, it's it's good to like, you know, uh, I think it was Aristophanes who said like building castles in the cloud because that's where they should be. But like, I think in a situation where this is not basically funding the government, I uh, yes, I would fully support... Uh, funding our armed forces and, and making sure that our, our retirees and senior citizens get their checks. Absolutely. But that's like, but one, here's a, here's that's like all those things are in there. That's, but that's what, what they, that is. That's but that's does. the way that we're allowed to be held hostage. Oh, of course. We of course. Have, because yeah. we but that's the problem when you don't win. No, <laughs> Republicans no, care about yeah. the military. Here's the thing is like yeah. eventually you have to get the point yeah. where you draw the line in the sand and you say, you idiots have for way too long been allowed to be like, oh my God, we're up against the wall. We have to pass this. You physically can't have read every page that's in this in the time allotted. I, I think uh, it was Dan Bishop, who a great account to follow right now, who's calling out a lot of the spending, says like you have to have read four pages a minute by the time they're asking for a vote on this. Why are we uh, allowing ourselves to repeatedly put I, in a situation where it's like you're at gunpoint and being like, okay, guys, we have no decision. Like, you have to vote on all this crazy stuff because it's, it goes way beyond basic necessities. Here's a great example. Here's a great example. So this is, again, from Rep. Dan Bishop's Twitter. It says, the EPA gets $10.1 billion, an increase of $576 million above uh, uh, 2022. It includes $108 million for environmental justice activities why do we need 108 million that's not like a, a, a basic need for for america to work or for 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 the military to defend us or for seniors to be taken care of uh there's 3.6 million for the michelle obama trail 
Like, no, this is becoming essentially a you, Trojan horse you, 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 that is at gunpoint being passed. I, I would fully support uh, Congress, who is elected to be leaders and, and, and pass common sense legislation to stop acting like children, for us to stop accepting them acting like children and being like, oh, my God, it's the end of the year and we're all going to die unless we pass this instantly. And then all this garbage gets thrown. And, and, and here's the thing is there is no accountability for this. There's no accountability. Congress lives on having zero accountability. There's there's a part in here for money to be given to a U.S. post office to be renamed the Nancy Pelosi post office. Okay. She needs to sign off on that. Co- co- she co- needs to be like, yes, I demand a post office be named after me and this amount of money be spent. A couple of things. One is I disagree with you on the fact that there is no accountability. We just elected a House majority to Who's oversee not, who doesn't have a voice? the federal who government. Who has zero voice right we now? We just elected a House majority to oversee the federal government, and they have supreme accountability over what this government is spending. None. None right now. I, right I now. disagree with you on that. I do agree with you on environmental justice. I think that that is a bullshit con- conflict, uh, uh, construct. I think that it is the biggest boondoggle in our entire country, the idea that like there's some kind of environmental justice, the idea that the that the oceans are rising, the idea that, that that like all of a sudden the climate is changing and our world is going away. All of that is the biggest boondoggle in the history we've of got, our We've our, got 750K for the Trans-Latin Coalition. We've got 1.5 million for the restoration of Albany, New York City Hall, which is like Albany, New York City Hall is probably the most cursed, terrible place on this planet, the most corrupt I, I, environment, and they're getting a million and a half. I do not, I do, I do not disagree <clears> with you on any of that. The, but, the the Michelle Obama trail, the Albany. We have to stop. It's the, the, the cocaine line, monkeys. A- the, anything, the line has to be drawn like the that? sand where it's like, listen, we are willing to make the buck stop here. Yeah, but look, who's enough drawing is enough. I I agree. I agree with you, Smug, in principle on on all this shit. But like, who are we relying on to draw that line in the sand? Like the ten dipshits who won't just say Kevin McCarthy should be speaker. Like, do we actually think that they're gonna? put together a better omnibus bill i don't i don't think they will well, this is the I, I just they don't can't. these they like, can't they, they can't, well, they can't. Here's the thing, like, why do we allow them to play hostage can, can, why, they're, they're holding like, kevin oh, mccarthy hostage no, that's it. <laughs> like like that's has said he hates this but it's K-Mack all he doesn't like it. exactly because he's trying to get their vote he's trying to get their vote i mean he, here's the thing here's the thing if we can just talk truth for a minute the truth is that the most hardline Republicans, by and large, and it's there are exceptions, are really shitty re- legislators. Every single person who sits on one of these committees has had views into this shit for the course of the year. It gets constructed over a course of a year. If you were really concerned about it, you ought to weigh in at the committee level, but you ought to make your vote count. And you ought to, you ought to make it something that somebody has to negotiate around. These guys all deal themselves out of omnibus bills. They all say that I'm never going to vote for an omnibus bill as long as it, as long as we're spending money in the government. Okay, that's a principled stand. You can do that. But then they also don't have to come to you to negotiate anything, right? And they all sit on these committees. They all see the stuff that's that's being put together. But the fact of the matter is, is they, they their input is never the only can bitch on the back end. Well, and 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 they're on this. They're here. Here in light, therein lies the problem. Right, and and the whole issue of like, well, I couldn't possibly read this whole bill because, you know, it, it would take me this four many pages days a minute. Over. Right, 
but all the stuff has been negotiated and read and text in committees for the entire last last year. But we don't like like if you have substitution language where we replace an entire bill and it's new language and nobody has any fucking clue what they're voting on. That's a different matter, right? If you're putting an omnibus together and has all these like all these parts inside it that are negotiated at the committee level. This language has been out there forever. Well, if you talk to a staff director or a minority staff director on one of these committees, they've known about this shit for. It's not like they're just like writing this. So, 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 so so acting, acting like they didn't know what language would potentially be in this legislation is kind of being obtuse on purpose. It's not. not, Yeah, it is. Twenty-four hours. Twenty-four hours ago at nine a.m. is when the language came out. Sure, the final language. The final language. But all the stuff is negotiated. It's not not like it was. It was not like it was written. And here's uh, the thing: five hours. Here's the thing is like none of those negotiations happened with the understanding that Republicans would have the House majority. Like the, I, I, I cannot. Stress Everybody enough. for the last year knew Republicans were going to win the majority. And if you were if you are here's the thing, Smug, the reality is if you yourself were a member of the House of Representatives as a Republican in the minority in the year of 2022, you would have fought tooth and nail in March, April, May, June, July over every one of these provisions. You would have gone to the floor. You would have gone on Tucker. You would have preached to the high highest heavens you could about why this is fucked. And you wouldn't have stopped. You would not have waited to the last minute to put out a press release and hope that somebody would pick it up to get you some publicity fighting against something that you knew was coming. You would have fought against it from the beginning. It's about and being it's about being effective, right? It's it's I about, it's about, it's about, it's about here, being but, honest. And honest. And on but but here's here here's here's the here's the let me just give you the other side of the story, right? So Josh Hawley, hardliner, right? Like this dude, uh I've I've frequently disagreed with his point of view on a number of things, politically and otherwise. But I will say, that guy knows how to legislate. He figured out the TikTok situation early. His committee processed things. They discussed things. He introduced legislation banning TikTok from government handheld devices, right? And then he simultaneously held a number of Defense Department nominees that required confirmation to the United States Senate. And in order for him to release any of the holds on those nominees or or even entertain his vote on any of these things, he required them to put the TikTok ban in the omnibus. Right, who's guess, complaining? Guess what happened? Guess what happened? It's in the omnibus. It's in the fucking omnibus. And I don't think anybody's complaining about the legislative text and their inability to but read it is saying, I oh my gosh, I can't read the TikTok language. I think right, that, you know what I mean? I, I like, think, that's the thing. Is like, some of this is performative. Let's no, be honest. But that's the thing is, I think, I think that example of Holly is... A, a, Perfect because he did, he, he of what did the work. Needs to be done. He did but, the work. But that's the that's the lesson. The lesson here is not like the the professional fucking right, and you're up in arms and concerned about a omnibus bill that is what roughly 150 billion dollars more than it was under Trump. Like that's not the issue. The issue here is how do you effectuate change? Mm-hmm. And and to be honest with you, anyone who's done any sort of serious legislating in Washington D.C for the last 20 years will tell you there is a very low likelihood when you've got a house majority that at this stage can't obviously appoint the obvious uh, uh, next speaker of the house 
that you know everyone with five or seven members believe would do the best job for the conference you got a lot of questions about whether or not they can pass a basic and, budget and, and i think i think essentially that's the heart of the divide is because if if you understand the legislative process and all this madness you think it's normal for 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 a situation where it's like the american people are at gunpoint and being told, oh my God, we got to pass this, or uh, I don't actually think it's even it's, significant. It's the same thing as the like the whole debt thing is like we got to pass this now, or everyone dies. When are we going to be like? It's time to grow up. It's time to go beyond being like, okay, well let's let let the Dems have like you know hundreds of millions of dollars for their crazy ass projects, which are 100% designed to destroy conservatives, destroy the fabric of the country because we just got to pass the damn thing. And when we're going to be like, listen, you can't do it. I'll tell you what. We've won I'll the election. We I have right. one answer, and it's very clean. The moment that we put a higher priority on legislating over selling books. And appearing on television. That's exactly right. The, t- the time to change this is when nobody's looking. The time to be a conservative is when nobody is looking. That's when you stand on principle. When you're not getting credit for it, when you're not bilking people out of $5 worth of grocery money for it, when you're actually being a conservative because it's the right thing to do. When our people, when Republicans actually do that, that is when we win. And there's been examples in the past where we have done that. And there has been great... I mean, look, the opposition to Obamacare was a perfect example of that. You're rewarded for six years of majorities because of a principled opposition where you fight tooth and nail whether the cameras are on or not, right? What I'm saying with Omnibus, first of all, I don't want to downplay the significance of spending of this magnitude in a time of inflation like this. I think it's ridiculous. I wouldn't spend a fucking dime if it were me. But I will say there is a basic, as we talked about, like a $1.4 trillion investment to keep your federal government open on a day-to-day basis. You can CR it, which means, you know, continuing resolution, you just basically That's what I want to know about. Is funding like, it. Is, is, That's is, the only two options. But here's the thing. I've heard from, like, actually responsible people that, like, the CR could mess things up. That like okay, important things could get screwed, like the border and other things could get screwed by using the CR. Yeah, because it's still the Biden. I mean, what you're CRing is the previous year, which is a Democrat bunch of priorities, right? I mean, the thing is, is it, it, look, Republicans try to hang their hat on increased defense spending without corresponding domestic spending, which is what Democrats have demanded of 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 omnibus bills. They want every dollar that goes to our Defense Department, our military men and women, they want to be offset with social programs here in the United States. Republicans were able to break that with this omnibus bill. Now, I will say there is huge consternation within the conservative movement, and rightly so, because we all have different opinions about this, because what some of this includes is Ukraine funding, right? There's differences of opinion on that. There is some accountability language in it. Not enough from my standpoint. Because I, I think there should be significant spending to secure our borders. Well, that, and that's the, and when that's, fentanyl is coming into the right. country, and that's, we need to we, we, we should put up right, any right, kind of right. a defense or and military that's the response thing, right. and we've got Chad, our borders. We've got Chad Wolf on the program later today. He's going to talk right. a lot about that. That's, he, that's the thing that upsets me about this. And not like, Chad look, Wolf. Look, no, not Chad Wolf. But to your point, on the Ukraine funding and all of that, and look, I have no problem 
funding Ukraine against Vladimir Putin. I think Vladimir Putin's a piece of shit. But like the fact that we've got fifty billion dollars to fund Ukraine, but not the five billion when Donald Trump was president to build the wall, is like, it feels I, like it doesn't reflect our priorities, right? right. For sure. Why? Right. Yeah. No. No. I think that. Look. I think all right. that's very fair. And I think. Look. I think principled opposition to the omnibus bill is not a bad place to be. I'm just explaining to you how it is that you get to this place. Yeah. And if you look at somebody like who's a friend of mine, like Chip Roy, who is, uh, you know, campaigning against McCarthy to be speaker, he's got a, 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 he's one of the most outspoken people on the border. He is uh, incredibly outspoken on spending and, and issues like that. My point to Chip would be, Look, if you're concerned about that shit, get your ass into committee and make sure that you make this as hard as the, as possible for them to get anything out that even resembles that, right? That's what Republicans did with the vaccine mandate. You want to know why the vaccine mandate doesn't exist right now in the military? It's because you had a House Republican minority and a minority staff that said from the very beginning, we're going to take the House majority next year. You can play this game as long as you want, but you're going to end up getting this entire bill entirely not passed and never having any of your priorities funded at all if you include that thing. And and, and they did it for six months. And, and and at the end, at the end, they were successful. Can you name the three Republicans who fucking stuck to the stuck to their guns and stopped the vaccine mandate? Mandate because I can't. I mean, I should be able to, but I can't. No, because the it's point not. Is, it's not sexy. They did what was Molly right. Hemingway didn't tweet. Them. They did what was right when nobody was looking. They did exactly what they what was right. Right. So I want to close with two things. First, on the Ukraine thing. You know, it's almost unrelated, but to me, it seems completely insane uh, in an environment where, yes, uh, there's tremendous liberal support for Ukraine. At the same time, the liberal support has led to fossil fuels being completely shut out of Europe, which gives Vladimir Putin an absolute monopoly. So uh, all the sanctions that were placed on him, the ruble is stronger than it was at the time the sanctions were placed on him. How the hell are you going to prosecute a war when someone has a cash cow like fossil fuels when the rest of Europe is refusing to produce energy for themselves and is completely reliant on Putin? Until you address that, it's stupid to keep throwing money at a situation where this guy's got an endless pile of cash because it's a bunch of environmentalists who are saying, yes, we want to we want to completely hobble ourselves and be beholden well, you put your finger to an enemy. You, yeah. you put your finger on a huge... stupid. Right. That's a You're huge right. so issue. So until we get to a place where, right. yes, we're going to open up fossil fuel discovery and use across and Europe and nuclear power and export and nuclear power usage so Vladimir Putin can no longer fund a war... It seems pointless. It seems like uh, you know uh, a bucket hole in it that you're trying to keep filling. Um, it is fighting with one hand tied behind your back. 100%. There's no question about it. And the last thing is 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 the WSJ who has also like me had it with with this omnibus situation puts out a great point. It says Democrats failed in their duty to pass normal spending bills, so they are using this omnibus to finance all of the government with 1.65 trillion for fiscal 2023. That's it. That's I mean we have to stop allowing our government to hold the American people hostage. Listen, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. My only point, and I want to look at this forward-looking, right, rather than cry over spilt milk, if you are 
in a position to try to do something about what you just said, Smug, it requires you to have a proactive position within your conference to figure out how to unify House Republicans around an alternative that keeps the lights on, right? My fear is what happened in 2010, which is you could never find 216 House Republicans to vote for a single thing. Mm-hmm. And and if you could never find that, you could never unify it, which meant you had to go seeking Democratic votes in order to actually fund the government. Every time you seek Democratic votes, they hold you hostage. Mm-hmm. It, and, and if they want five votes, that costs something. If it's 10, it's exponential. If you need 20, you're talking about policy changes. If you need 30 votes, you're talking about their priorities. If you need 40 votes, all of a sudden you're passing their goddamn appropriations bills. And that is the message to this House Republican conference. You may cry and bitch about this as much as you want, and I think there is a lot of reason to do that. But if if you, as an elected official, want to have any semblance of, of, of your promises in an upcoming year, start work now. Mm-hmm. Start work now, yeah. and by September 30 of next year, when all this other stuff runs out, you better be in position to have had a unified front from a Republican standpoint where you don't need Democratic votes to try to barter what our next year's funding looks like, because we do right now, right? And that, and that is so simple and so clear, and I know a lot of you are frustrated, and you're looking at this, and you're listening to like, you know, people hemming and hawing about like the top lines of everything, but really it, it's internal. You got to look internally. It, some of our greatest champions in the conservative cause are the most negligent when it comes to legislating, when it comes to actually effectuating change. They'd rather go out and talk about how they lost than how they won, mm. right? It, because it's not sexy to talk about an appropriations bill and subcommittees in February. Mm. Nobody wants to talk about that shit. Right? They'd rather talk about X, Y, and Z. But that's when this stuff gets done. So by the time you get to next September, and we're dealing with this in a real live fire exercise, all of these guys are now talking about, oh, I can't believe that the, uh, you know, the, the fund for sexual studies of transgender elephants is in here. Well, look, bud, you had your shot. You, you, know, you know what I think we should do? We, we've complained about this for you know, 15, 15, 20 years as long as we've been in politics. We have a show now. And I think that if there is a House Republican who is working in February of 2023 to stop exactly what you're talking about. They've got stopping, free air. You're on the show. They're on the 100%, show. 100%, you're on the show. You're on the and, show. And we can start talking about this stuff, and we can start giving air to Republicans who are doing the right thing early on focused on building relationships and stopping the sort of stuff that we're complaining about here from a very early day and not waiting to the last You know what I think the solution is? Is, is, is I call it the smug amendment. If you add spending to this bill, sign your name to it. If, if you're agreeing to spend, like you said, like, you know, 10 million on like transgender elephants, I want your name next to it that says, I wanted this in here. Yeah. Because there's zero accountability for these people um, to change su- subjects a little bit. But again, to be where I am correct, uh, <laughs> the smug clawback incoming. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. 
FTX wants to claw back Sam Bankman-Fried's donations. Oh. Now this is, so, so, so this is the most beautiful moment where all the rats have jumped off the ship and now it's just like everyone fighting each other. Where FTX, the, it's essentially a zombie uh, organization at this point because, you know, they already removed SBF. It's essentially in a conservatorship are like, okay, uh, as a responsible company, we would never okay this guy trying to basically bribe the Democrat Party uh, to do whatever he wanted. And so they're. Th- it sounds like they want the clawbacks, FTX itself, let alone... Well, they uh, do because they don't want to liquidate the Bahamas. I mean, that's... And, and you know, we have late-breaking news of now uh, SBF has agreed to be extradited into the U.S. from the Bahamas, which... I mean, I don't know that was a tough choice where, you know, all these stories about the, like, Bahamian prison is, like, rats are in there with you, and it's, like, squalid <laughs> horror, and he would much prefer to be in, like, some kind of, like, a white-collar resort uh, here in the States. Um, I want to see what kind of information we get out of this, because it's become very clear, like, uh, you know, uh, Fox News has, has done extensive reporting on the significant amount of money that SBF donated to Democrats and was whether it's left-wing dark money groups, whether it's to candidates, um, whether it's to uh, uh, left-wing super PACs, the amount of money he gave, he even gave to the Biden election 2020, like significant amounts of money. Hmm. We're going to find well, out that's exactly a, That's a surprise. I never see, would have guessed that. Did you, I mean, did you see the, the, uh, the commentary from, um, gosh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Griffin. Um, this is from Ken Gif- Griffin. I saw this on Instagram. Of yeah, all places. Yeah, where where he was like, he basically said, "Isn't it interesting that the second largest donor to Democratic causes um, somehow got through the greatest fraud without any regulators sort of even popping their head up? Like, is that a is that a tough story?" Basically. And I, yeah. what and, I want to add to the Ken Griffin angle is, meanwhile, he had his tax returns leaked. Yeah. To like, a, well, it was the information, it was one of the left-wing it's organizations. It's the a- absolute opposite. That's the thing is like, if you're a conservative. Yeah. Yes. Not only are you Wait. having to be like 100% within the letter of the law, this government, because it was the IRS who leaked it you're to, ta- to you're, a left-wing organization. You're, you're telling me Sam Bankman-Fried's tax returns were never leaked? Can you imagine? Like, they weren't leaked. But yeah. you know what's so funny? They were, un, they were under lock and key. What he pointed out in this clip that I saw was that there was a line item in their budgeting that said Trump lose. Right? Just mm-hmm. said Trump lose in their budgeting. Mm-hmm. Right? And he said, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing that nobody at any point sort of looked through that and thought like, hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, that's the thing I saw on Instagram. I think you mentioned it on the show before, but it's the most remarkable thing in in accounting history i've ever seen it really is <laughs> to me it's just so egregious because the whole like we, we've been through the lowest learner thing and uh especially once these twitter files have come out it's become so abundantly clear the way that democrats in power are so willing to abuse the tools of the government to attack their enemies their that's ideological what they do. enemies that's what which they is do. what they do and beyond that because that in itself is horrid but this SBF situation proves not only do they punish their enemies, they reward their benefactors to an insane extent where this guy who, like, uh, uh, you know, th- the Wall Street Journal reported he his payroll was via emoji. 
Yeah. Like they had an internal uh, uh, Slack or whatever where uh, uh, employees would put an emoji and then they'd get wired their money, which is essentially stolen client money. He's allowed to operate with impunity. Unbelievable. Like, you know, if you would have told me that this happens in Venezuela, I thought it was crooked. Totally. But this is happening in the U.S. today. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go back to this uh, WSJ article. It says, the SEC... Uh, sent a lawsuit last week that customer assets were used to make investments, real estate purchases, and large political donations. That's stolen money. That's like, this is no different than if Madoff would have taken that money and instead of just like, you know, spending it on a ridiculous, lavish lifestyle, would have said, well, I want to like get a uh, get a jail free card ahead of time and just give it to Democrats. And there's right now like uh, zero call among the media to be like, all that money needs to be clawed back. Where like members of Congress, like I mentioned before, are trying this like flim flam bullshit of like, oh well, you know, we're gonna give that money to charity. Or there are victims. There are victims. You know there's there's you, there's regular you, people who had their money stolen. You really hit the nail on the head. There is zero call among the media to have the money clawed back. And it's because he also invests in the media, like a right. semaphore, like a number right. of organizations. Right. Have had money. Well, yeah, all the them. all the people in power are, are 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 subject to it, right? I mean, if you actually had a claw a made off clawback situation with SBF, which, by the way, I still think is very possible, and I I'm hopeful. I I, I think I think this is going to be the Irving trial. Picard, if you're listening for a lifetime, I think the bankruptcy proceedings are going to be like popcorn popping. I mean this this whole thing is going to be fascinating to watch because the the, the tentacles. Of all of this, go, the way Maxine go Waters was treating him like she worked for him, yeah, is insane. Totally insane. Totally, completely insane. So, look, we talked, gentlemen. We talked about delaying the game till next week. Yeah, I think we got an obligation to play it here this Thursday. Hmm. Okay. I think we've got an obligation. We're gonna give people a Christmas present early. I think we need to play King of the Hill, mm-hmm. and. I mean, you need a little levity before the holidays, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I think we should do it. Okay. So, uh, Smug, you have our champion, our new champion. Sherry Jacobus. Sherry Jacobus. Uh, Holmes, who are you bringing to the table? Radio Free Tom. Radio Free Tom. Man, it's been a while. Um, well, this is going to be great. Let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. And now, hiding out of the red corner from his own Twitter account, Radio Free Time Nichols. <laughs> and now, fighting from the blue corner, she is the champion of the world, Gami Cherry Jacobus. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm, I'm I'm expecting bangers out of Sherry. Yeah, I mean it's been a good week for her. I I can only imagine. Smug, you got to go first in round one here, pal. Happy to. Um, 
This is an incredible reply, and I really want to set the tone. This is this reply, not not a tweet, a reply. Hundred percent reply, and I want to set the tone for the level of fire that our listeners can expect on this one. Okay. Uh, Bruce Dankmeyer, incredible name, says you understand Trump or any American is not guilty of a crime until convicted by a court of law. The one six has no authority to declare anyone guilty. Sherry, you're an un-American idiot. <laughs> Court of law? Hell no. <laughs> trial by jury. <laughs> a trial by jury is un-American. Yeah. That's that's the level of fire we're dealing with today, folks. <sighs> okay. Okay. What do you got? Um. So this is Tom Nichols. Uh, weighing in on the military vaccine mandate. Okay. Right, and mm-hmm. and this is this is this is this is just his take. I think that the requirement for the shot is serving as a nice weeding out function. To oh, be good. honest, here we go. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh that's it. That's it. Literally, that's it. <laughs> what do you mean? That's, that's it. it? These are patriotic. These are Marines. These people are, want to defend their country. People are, and, and their their view that they like as professional sports athletes have had. Oh, that's like, real. Their body is their profession. That doesn't make sense for them to do it. Yeah, let's be real. And that that is a nice weeding out function. Like we <laughs> we are at like the worst military readiness in the history of our country. And he's like, you know what? We got too many people trying to volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's it. That's it's a nice weeding out function. Oh man, they're both so good. Oh, I mean, you can't compare that's it to trial by trial. Trial by jury is un-American. We have too many people. This is good at weeding out people who don't want to get a vaccine when they're twenty-two years old. They don't deserve to be in the military. They shouldn't shouldn't be in the military. Yeah, this guy teaches. I know in like the war college. Yeah. In the war college. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Yeah. Oh, man. We're at a real impasse here. I wish I had, like, MK to break the tie. <laughs> um, I think at the end of the day, I mean, that is a very radio-free Tom take. Uh, the elitism of the whole thing is great. And the fact that he does this for a living and wants people to not be in the military is incredible. But not, like, not supporting a jury trial, calling somebody un-American for suggesting otherwise, that just takes the cake. Sherry wins round one. <laughs> oh, that was a hard one. Uh-huh. Round two. Holmes, you got to go first. All right, so <clears throat> this is in response to all of the hyperbole over the weekend about journalists being... Uh, you know, otherwise suspended. Oh, the, uh, excuse me. You're referring to the Thursday Night Massacre. Oh, yeah. I, I learned that from Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I love here, what I love here <clears throat> is the accepting of the premise, which is just so beautiful for a guy who's supposed to be an intellectual, mm. right? A conservative intellectual. Right. Who, and, and this is, this is classic. Okay. 
I'm deleting my tweets about having backups at LinkedIn and post because I'm already seeing panicky messages of why not Mastodon or you should try this, yada, yada, yada. Just saying I created backups and have no intention of using them unless I'm banned here. Whoa. Ba- so, so like... That's it? In, no, no, no. In order to appreciate the insanity, you actually have to think about the mentality of someone who has created a backups for their content that they've put on social media because a they're super important right right it's it's very important that they have backups of their own thoughts right like your twitter account is the library of alexandria exactly right so that a is very important but b that somehow you're going to be banned on twitter just simply for existing because, of course, as the left has suggested, the people who were posting the coordinates of Elon Musk's plane were just doing the journalisming. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in order to get to that, I, I just feel like that is a different level of insanity. I, re, I admit it requires a little bit. It's not like the, the nuclear bomb. It's not like Sherry. But it, but it's it, no nuke. But it, you said it. But I got one. No, but it, if you think about it, it actually is because it's complete insanity. All right, so this is this is a great nuke, and I'm very proud of finding this one. This is from Sherry Jacobus. Trump is laundering money with his latest grift. He limits the amount each household can purchase to keep it under the amount he'd have to, quote, report. As we said on the show, this is not anything to do Wait, with the on. campaign side. Hold on, this is about the NFTs? Correct. And, and as we'd mentioned, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the campaign side. There's no reporting involved. However... How proud was Sherry of this take? Abuse of the internet. No. Self-retweet. <laughs> she RT'd herself. Whenever you see Sherry Jacobus has retweeted Sherry Jacobus on top of an absolute garbage take, <gasps> that's a warhead. So she insists he's money laundering. Oh, yeah. Somehow. She thinks that you have to report an a NFT. Yes purchase like it's to the fvc yeah. and she's so confident of that take that she decides to argue like, yourself honestly this is a great take i don't know why you people aren't retweeting this folks <laughs> that is a round two knockout let's go sherry jacobus <laughs> wins go. two for two unbelievable all right well let's get right to chad wolf well it turns out we have a hell of an immigration problem as we've been talking about here i feel like every episode for two years uh, or almost two years now. So, but this has gotten more complicated and there are a bunch of things that are happening now that require a little bit more education than the Ruthless Variety program has in-house. And so we thought we'd go ahead and and, uh, bring the foremost expert. He was a former acting uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me again. It's good to be on. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah. And uh, I didn't bring anything for you guys. Well, I, know, I know that's kind of like a standard now. Yeah. Um, but I also hear you guys talk a lot about, about NFL. Yeah. But I don't I don't hear a lot about um, America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, here we you know, go. You guys are into Americana, you know. Here we but go. America's team, it really, it really needs to be a little bit more. This on the is forefront. unbelievable. So, You're going to come in and throw shots right off the I'm bat just, like that. I'm huh? just, you know, <laughs> headed to the playoffs. But anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk about something else. <laughs> just incredible. All yeah. right. Well, no, look, I mean, I have very little room to talk about the Dallas Cowboys after what they did to my Vikings a few weeks ago. I wasn't going to bring it up. But uh, yeah. 
Well, we had our producer, McDaniel, sitting next to me that we refer to as the cooler. And so anytime you're next to him and you're rooting for something, you lose, which is, you know, my fault for sitting next to him on a plane. But uh, is what it is. Listen, let's get into this thing, because there's been a lot of talk over the last week about the expiration of Title 42. There's been a lot of discussion about the Biden administration's just overall approach to the border that has now led to some people speculating as many as 14,000 crossings a day in the not too distant future. Um, as you look at where we're sitting here, Chad, where, what's your sense? Well, I, you know, it's a mess, uh, to be clear. And I think even before we start talking about the expiration of Title 42, you have to look at what's going on today. So all the images that you see in El Paso or you see mainly on Fox News and others, but other uh, channels are now starting to cover it. That's with Title 42 in place. And so you've got to think about the situation that we find ourselves in 23 months into this administration that has really dismantled a lot of the successful uh, border security policies, not only from the Trump administration, but actually from previous administrations. As I like to say, every administration, at least that I can think of, going all the way back to to Bush and Obama, they all made incremental improvements in border security. Mm-hmm. I would I would contend that others, some did more than others. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trump administration did more than others. This is the first administration I can I can think of that actually has gone backwards. Yeah, it's it's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought this up because almost everybody, I mean, clearly in the Trump administration, it was a priority for the president. Right. So therefore, it was treated as a priority for the administration. But all the previous administrations have had some level of interest right. in securing our border, whether you agreed with you know, sort of the level by which they did that or not. They at least acknowledged that it was an issue. These guys, not so much. Well, I think that's right. I think if you remember, they called President Obama the deporter in chief. Yeah, that's right. Right, because he was actually enforcing the law. That's it right. wasn't anything new or different. He was actually removing individuals that had no legal right to be here and was sending them back to their home country. So this idea that uh, uh, we find ourselves uh, 23 months into an administration where we are the, the worst crisis that we have ever seen, and this impacts Americans not only from a a pure human trafficking and of course the illegal narcotics and the fentanyl crisis that we see ourselves in. But what does this do to uh, public health systems when you have over 300,000 unaccompanied children who are now being released into the country? What does that do to healthcare systems? What does it do to the public infrastructure, public safety? Um, You have police having to respond to different emergencies that they've never done before. Mm -hmm. And so this has real world impacts far beyond, you know, do we, you know, do we have some semblance of sovereignty over our borders? And yes, we should. And that is, that is enough to secure the border. Right. But if, even if you don't believe in that, and there's a big group of folks that don't believe in that, that I believe the administration is listening to, it's why it's important for everyday Americans is, is this going to have very real repercussions one, two, three years from now? Well, uh, fentanyl when you, when alone, you're dealing right? With it. I mean, yeah. just in and of itself, the issue of fentanyl, right. what it's done two communities across this country killed, I mean, enormous number of young Americans. Um, you'd think that that in and of itself right. would be enough. Yeah, you would think, uh, but it's not. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, you begin this administration, obviously we talked last time you were on the program about how they just sort of rolled everything back. Yeah. But I think the thing that strikes me the most, that I just, I'm curious from your standpoint of, of being the head of DHS and like what Mallorcas and this crew must be thinking I mean, 
obviously the problem is there, right? And, yeah. and it's like, it, I, I come back to like, what is it that you say you do here? Well, it's, it's interesting if you look back for uh, almost 23 months now, they have blamed everyone and everything. If you, if you try to count up all the excuses, right? First, it was seasonal. It's a seasonal trend. This will, right. this will stop. Right. Then it was cyclical. And then it was the Trump administration fault. I, I'm, I'm trying to still figure that one out. That's, uh, ama- that's an amazing you know, take. And then it was, uh, you know, now it's Republicans. The Republicans are saying the border's open, and that's what the cartels are listening to. So it's like you can think of every excuse you want to, but at some point you've got to look in the mirror and say, guys, maybe it's our approach. Maybe our approach is just broken. It's failed. And maybe we should stop doubling down on it. Maybe we should actually try something new and different that that actually works. And so, you know, you you got Title 42 ending, uh, staring you in the face. Um, I I think I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I don't think they know what they're doing. Is that is Um, that really what it boils down to is because it is such a lack of interest by this administration that they have basically just no plan is the plan yeah well i think it's interesting you gotta you know for for me having been at dhs um you not only you understand the pressures from the white house Mm -hmm. uh you understand um, do you have a vision as the secretary on what you want to see and then do you have the people capable of 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 actually doing it and to that last answer if you actually look at the folks surrounding the secretary they don't have experience um you know they may have taught uh, immigration <laughs> uh, law two years somewhere or help someone get asylum for six months. That's the extent of their, and he's, you know, he's surrounded by these folks. They come from these NGOs that we talk about, mm-hmm. these non-governmental uh, organizations that don't believe in borders. And so when you start surrounding your people uh, yourself with that, slowly over time, your strategy, if you come in with one, it's going to get diluted. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing here amongst other issues. Um, and that's why, you know, every, every as I can say, every month you, you hit rock bottom. And yeah. you're just like, okay, well, there's nowhere else to go but up. And then they find a new bottom. And then a new bottom. And then for 23 months, it's a new bottom every month. And you're just like, how can this get worse? But it does. It does. It gets, it gets worse every single day. And now, you know, they have them arguing in front of the Supreme Court of, please don't end Title 42 today. <laughs> Which they all called for. But you can end it on December 27th. Like, <laughs> sure, let's let's pick arbitrary dates now. Uh, I guess that's how we run in our immigration system. But what happens on December 27th? What are you going to do between now and, and, you know, seven days from now? I mean, nothing. Nothing, right? So you say, well, what is their plan? And the only plan that they point to is a six-point plan that they rolled out in April, which just says we need more people. We need more resources to process people quicker. Pro, but pro, the process is process. the key word there. So there's two right? things here. You can either solve the crisis or you can manage it. And they're managing. And they're managing it. And they have no desire to do anything else but to management because a crisis in their mind is not 230,000 people coming across the border in any given month. Their crisis is there's actually pictures of people waiting in line. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's the problem. If we solve for that problem then we don't have a crisis here and that's exact it's a, it's the wrong way to look at this yeah it's why they're still where they're at now um they don't want to make these hard decisions and they don't want to do all these things so if some of these predictions come true i mean dhs is even saying you you mentioned it upwards to fourteen thousand folks a day right in two months that's the size of el paso if those predictions hold i mean i just it, it astounds me right because 
I mean, look, you're right about the pictures piece. It's not the real problem that's the problem. It's the, the view of the problem. The fact the American people are seeing yep. a problem that, that, that is a political issue for them, which is, of course, why they all blew a gasket when they showed up in Martha's Vineyard, right? <laughs> I mean, because it's like, you know, now the libs have found out that these, these people actually exist. <laughs> but it gets, it gets so bad that you can't ignore it any longer. So you have the mayor of El Paso finally declaring a state of emergency. You probably should have done that eight months ago. Yeah. Uh, but for political reasons, he didn't. But you, you also have the mayor of Denver. Denver, Denver, uh, declaring a state of emergency because all these folks are saying, I mean, obviously the mayor of New York has, has been saying it. It's overwhelming our resources to take care of these folks. And these are cities, New York and, and Denver, who are not on the border. Yeah. They are miles, in some cases, thousands of miles from the border. And so you got to think of what is El Paso and Del Rio, McAllen and Tucson? What are all these border cities dealing with and what have they been dealing with and basically begging the federal government to help? And there's no help. There's no cavalry that's coming. It's more of the same. And so you have Border Patrol. We talked about this last time. You have Border Patrol agents, the highest rate of suicide among Border Patrol agents that we have seen. It's just more so attacks sad. on Border Patrol agents that we have ever seen because they don't know when this is going to end. And and these folks are living in these communities and they take it back home and they, 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 they want to help solve this. These are law enforcement officers who are now handing out diapers and Jeez. and taking care of folks so this is what it's devolved into um do you it, think if you look back <clears throat> sort of when you left office and you look back at the state of the border as you all were able to sort of build infrastructure and put in policies like remain in mexico yeah. and uh, title 42 and the rest it seemed, at least from an outsider's perspective, that you were beginning to bend that curve in a significant way. And if nothing else, we're providing very real deterrent for these mass migrations that were coming to the border. I mean, if you, if all of that was still in place and you were able to continue to sort of build on that, does today happen? Like, do are we on the precipice of 14,000 people crossing? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because not only would you have the policies in place, you would have a, a different... Uh set of messages going out yeah uh you would have a different relationship with mexico and those central american governments yeah you wouldn't have buses escorting or sorry police escorting buses in mexico to the border for them to that's to, wild right? right i mean that would have been they would have never done that uh under uh, previous administration for obvious reasons no kidding um the president would have called him out on that immediately and we haven't heard anything of the like but i think it's important you know obviously covid hit in 2020 and the numbers dropped uh, dramatically but before that they were they were going down and i think what's important a lot of people talk about the border wall right yes that mm -hmm. helps and a lot of people talk about remain in mexico and yes that helps and and some folks even talk about our asylum cooperative agreements and it's great if they know about them um, but what they don't know is there's about 35 other programs that we were initiating or had underway that kind of works in this uh, patchwork uh, because what happens is the cartels start to understand something and they shift their business model to a different part of the border in a different way that they smuggle folks across. And so you're, you're constantly trying to stay one step ahead of them. And that's what we were doing. So yes, it was the three or four big things that everyone talks about. It was, but it was actually the the other twenty five to thirty things that we were doing that we weren't talking about that was having a measurable impact. That if someone wasn't eligible for MPP, guess what? They they flowed into these three other programs that we were able to remove them on. Mm. And so it, it 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 it's a very complex system, and none of that is occurring today. That's just none unbelievable. None of that is occurring today. I mean, it's just terrifying. Yeah. Right. I mean, the idea that. That these guys basically, I mean, look, 
partisan purposes, long-held ideological liberal views, they, as you said, the border not important to them, right? Yeah. Um, but you'd think a bleeding heart liberal <laughs> would have at least some acknowledgement of the human rights condition that these people find themselves in by getting rid of all of them. Now, it's such a great point. You know, we heard this a lot during the, the Trump administration, that the Trump's immigration policy was inhumane. Right. Right. And they point to that zero tolerance that occurred in 2018, uh, where, you know, they're talking about 1,200 children uh, perhaps being, you know, separated from their parents and all this. What they don't talk about today is the 300,000 children that have come across the border in the two years of the Biden administration unaccompanied. What unaccompanied mean is they don't have the parent with them or a guardian, which means they've been given over to a cartel member or a human trafficker to get them across that border. 300,000. That is unbelievable. That is the, and so at the same time they've done that, they have also loosened the restrictions at HHS. So these children come into DHS custody and then they're transferred over to HHS. During the Trump administration, we said, okay, we want to increase the background checks of individuals picking up those children because mm-hmm. we don't know who they are. Yep. So we want to increase the background check of not only them, but everyone in their household because I don't know if they're going home with, yes, someone may pass a, a check, but if they're living with three or four bad people, we want to know who they are. All that. Yep. Pull Go down. Ahead. Pull down. Well, I mean, what, what, what would you, how could you possibly justify because that? Because it, it, it slowed down their ability to place children uh, <laughs> with with parents or guardians in their mind. And so what it was doing, it was backing up. So they had nowhere to put the children. So the quickest way to place one of these children with someone is you loosen the requirements so you can get them out there quicker. I can't imagine anything more horrific. So it's, but no one wants to talk about that, right? Mm. No, no one's going to talk about the inhumane nature of, of placing a child with someone you don't know who they are. They're likely uh, a human trafficker or smuggler at the end of the day that's going to take that child to different parts of the country to do different things. Uh, I mean, just think about that. In con- you know, like think about how difficult it is to adopt a child in this country, right? Yeah. And yet we have a border border policy currently that allows people without background checks to just go pick children up yeah. at it's, the border. I mean, wow. It's baffling. We like to say is that the the federal government now, particularly in the last two years, is the last link in that human smuggling chain uh, for the cartels and and the like, right? They do the hard work of getting the children to the border or adults or whoever. Uh, They release them into uh, federal government custody, U.S. federal government, and we complete the last chain. We either give them a plane ticket somewhere uh, paid for by U.S. taxpayers, or we place the children with... um, you know, could be a parent, could be a guardian, but it, many times it's not. Not all the time. Oh, man. And so, just you know, fun. if you're a cartel member, you're like, thank you. Yeah, thanks. You thanks, just... thanks for helping complete that chain because we, you know, we don't operate as well as we could inside the U.S., but if you're going to do it for us, right. it's perfect. And frankly, we don't give a shit anyway. Right. Right? I mean, once they get to the border, they probably end of end of. Well, mission. some of these folks are still paying off uh, oh. their fee. Huh. Um, oh, man. I mean, it's just a tragedy. Yeah absolute tragedy so what do you do from here i mean is this is this about with the biden administration the rest of us having to just sort of wait as they manage this for the next two years it's tough obviously we've got a republican house coming in so i think there's some recourse there yeah um it's not going to come overnight you know you know this better than 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 me probably oversight is not instantaneous right Uh, it's going to take a while you know, they're talking about an omnibus bill mm-hmm. right now, a spending bill to, to fund the federal government for the next year. There's money in there for DHS, which 
if I look at what they're they're signaling, I'm I'm concerned that Republicans are going to vote for this. And I understand it's in a, it's part of a larger bill, so there, there's other things to weigh. But uh, two billion uh, for border management requirements, not border security. It, it actually what you just said. It actually explicitly states that you can't use it for border security. Oh, it's just a disaster. So two billion, another eight hundred million transferred from CBP. So that's Customs and Border Protection transferred from CBP to FEMA. And FEMA will provide food and shelter through NGOs for these illegal immigrants. So just think about that. You're taking $800 million of taxpayer dollars from an agency that's supposed to secure the border, uh, not only between the board, ports of entry, but at ports of entry. And you're taking that and you're giving it to NGOs to help you manage a crisis that you created. Um, and so as I, I, you know, I've tried to talk to as many congressional Republicans and others that will listen, I say quit funding their bad decisions. Yeah. You are simply funding a failed strategy for the next two years. Well, it seems like that's their priority, right? Double down on a on a failed strategy. I mean, yeah. clearly the administration, this is a, I mean, if it's in an omnibus bill, it's because that's what they want to do. That's right? exactly it. And you hear, you know, White House press secretary and others, right? Now that they've kind of circled back to, well, this is, you know, Republicans. You know, Republicans won't work with us on immigration legislation, I guess. There's nothing. Well, it's like, it, unless you get amnesty, right. we're, we're, at, we're not going to secure the border. So, uh, I mean, that's a hell of a position yeah, to take. Their, uh, their strategy, it's exactly right, is if you give, if, if we grant amnesty, this crisis will be solved. And you're just like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> There's nothing that solves that. You're just, you're conflating two issues and you're trying to put it together and and convince the american people that somehow these two are connected and they are just they're not connected it's the the needle exchange version of border security yeah right and it's so, like don't don't fight the problem so you're looking at it but look at the end of the day if the biden administration either from the white house or dhs wanted to solve the problem they have all the authorities they need and why do i know that because we did that because you had it we didn't yeah. have any help from congress in four years yep. uh from uh during the trump administration but we figured it out and yes, it, it took a lot of hard decisions and you take a lot of arrows doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what the American people need. And they don't want to keep seeing and hearing, oh, well, we just need Republicans to pass legislation. What is it specifically you want them to pass that will solve this crisis? Amnesty is not going to work. Right. You know, and then they have a litany of other issues where just it, it, it just creates more incentives for these folks uh, to make this very, very dangerous journey. And so it's a backwards way of looking at this. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've seen this now for two years. Uh, and unfortunately, I think we're going to see it for another two years. We'll see what House Republicans want to do on oversight. We'll see, uh, hopefully, some of the, the spending can get under control. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy to provide resources, or I'd be an advocate, I should say, of providing resources to DHS if it was tied to some changes in policy. Yeah. Um, but absent that, um, I would not. I would be concerned if I was in Congress. I'm, and I vote for this. I'm now on the hook of being part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, these are all very good points. I'm glad you're talking to folks too. Yeah. Because I, I think, like you said, if your goal is to talk to the experts and the people in the administration or from the NGO world, you're not going to get a real world view of this. No. Right? No. Absolutely not. Um, you know, and there's some good folks in Congress that want to do the right thing, but there's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, <laughs> your lips to God's ears. We're still working on that. But uh, yeah. listen, so what else are you up to these days? Well, I'm over at America First Policy Institute, uh, helping to run Good. that with a variety of different folks. And um, we put forth uh, what we call an America First agenda. Uh, we did that earlier this year and obviously worked with 
um, folks that put out the, the commitment to America um, talking about there's a different way that the country should be going. And obviously, not only about border security and immigration, but national security, healthcare policy, education policy, and the list goes on and on and on. And so we're trying to, you know, put a different approach out there from a from a policy perspective. Um, and we've well, gotten and a lot of set the stage for 24 too, right? I mean, if, right. if we're going to get another shot at power, we're going to need these ideas distilled to a place where we can actually implement them and not think them up as on the fly. Right? right. Right. And what we like to say, and we saw that, you know, even though the, I would say the election wasn't what anyone really wanted, we saw a lot of folks coming in running on that America first platform. Yeah. You know, whether they called themselves America first or not, it doesn't really make any difference to us. Right. Uh, but if they're going to sign up for certain policies and a policy approach on addressing some of the, the bigger issues that we're facing as a country, um, we're here to help them. We're here to help them with, with research, with policy analysis. And uh, the difference that I like to say at, at AFPI are we're practitioners. We are folks that ran departments or agencies. We haven't been there for a decade thinking great thoughts. And, you weren't and, in a faculty yeah, office just yeah. dreaming things up? Wondering, <laughs> I wonder if this really works. Um, what we are interested in talking about and advocating is, is what does work. Yeah. And we know that from practical experience. Yeah. Uh, mostly at the federal, but we have some folks that served at the state level as well, Governor Jindal. Um, and, and others. So we know what works. Um, and so that's the little unique nature of, of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, I mean, I hope you have a little bit more time, a little family time uh, than you did the last I gotta few get, years. I got to get some shopping done. Uh, it's coming okay. down to the wire. Well, we have a brooch uh, that you can present uh, that we've talked about frequently. I've, I've, I've heard about the brooch. I'm going to take a hard pass on that. <laughs> you want to stay married? Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not sure my wife would be altogether that impressed I feel like that's that's pretty much right right johnny this is uh your wife was not in love with that gift no she she wasn't but man she loved the story when you guys were just laughing at me i mean she was that 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 made it worth it in her mind good well real quick i have i have a good a reverse one so the very first uh christmas when we were married my wife gave me a pillow and a cheese grater (laughs) and i'm looking at her and i'm like what is going on like she's like well you need both like it's like a necessity and i'm like i got that but that's strange gifts and uh, it's gotten better over the years but uh, i keep bringing that back up that gets brought up every year the cheese grater it's it's the gift that keeps on giving my kids who are 16 and 14 now know the story like they weren't there obviously but they now know the story and they're like you know unwrapping something they're like oh is it a pillow oh that's so good (laughs) my wife's over in the corner like she's like that was a mistake mistake. she's gonna kill me for this (laughs) you're like honey congratulations here's a vacuum cleaner this year That would get you killed. Right. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for coming in and sharing the, all of this. Yep. I mean, listen, you're more than welcome anytime, not just to talk about this, but whatever you have in mind other than Cowboys football, which, you know. I'm happy to talk about that. I know you are. Yeah. I know you are. And that disappoints me, Chad. <laughs> disappoints me. America's team. America's team. <laughs> all right. Chad Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. So Chad's a stud. I mean, this guy, first of all, he's just like a rock solid human being. I would love to just have a beer with. And I want to hear more DHS stories. And we didn't have a lot of fun today because we had serious shit to talk about. But the stuff that he's talking about is, I mean, it's the reason why we're in this mess. Yeah, I mean, some of the changes that Biden uh, and his cronies have made to DHS and to our border uh, situation, like, it's it's stunning. And you don't hear about it on the news. Right. You literally only hear about it right here 
on the variety program. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are, you know, on your way to church with your family on Christmas Eve, know that there's somebody overseas or there's somebody in a cold desert on the border doing their job right now Mm -hmm. who's not with their family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like thank those people for their service because they do a very, very hard job. Hell yeah. 100%. Well said. 100%. And uh, I got to say, that's 100% a banger of an episode, gentlemen. Thank you so much to Chad Wolf for joining us. Thank you so much to our listeners. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.